Medical information obtained from our website or the live show is not intended to be a substitute for professional care. If your pet has or you suspect they might have an illness or other medical condition, you should consult a health care provider. The opinions expressed on this radio program are not necessarily those of All Paws Pet Talk, this radio show, or their sponsors. And now live in the studio, it's the All Paws Pet Talk call-in radio show with a valuable knowledge and expertise of our panel guests. Ready to take your calls. Listen for the phone number so you may call in live. Take it away, panel. Pet Talk Radio with me, Deb Wolf, and you could see the puppies. Yes, the Camp Good Dog puppies. They're almost all sold. There's still three available, but there are still six living here and posing for pictures, and you can see their videos and their pictures all on Camp Good Dog Facebook, so check that out. You don't have to email me to ask me for pictures of the pups. They're right there. We also have an Instagram account for Camp Good Dog Now because we were filling up our Facebook page with puppy pictures. So if you want to see two-month-old golden doodle pups playing around, and they're always wrestling and fetching and doing silly things to each other, then check it out. Okay, so we're going to talk with Jeremy Gateman from Total Fit and Rehab. And totalfitandrehab.com is the website if you want to look them up. We're going to talk about some things you might be used to talking about in human terms, like circulation and muscles and healing but we're going to talk about it in dog terms today and cat terms, I think, too. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Having me, how are you guys today? Oh, really well. So, okay, so increasing yes. circulation. Is this an issue yes. for our animals? This, this is a huge issue. You know, I have a pet at home, and, and we started with our pet um, at a young age with some arthritis at about age two. Um, and just because of their uh, mechanics, you know, they're on all fours all day long. Um, increasing circulation is huge to help them decrease uh, the arthritis in the joint. So increasing circulation, increasing what they call synovial fluid, which is the fluid that helps to articulate um, inside the joint to prevent arthritis. And there's great ways of doing that besides just massage, um, one of the great ways of doing it is with Epsom salt. And you take either a, uh, uh, we use a baby diaper, but you could also use, because it's got a nice cavity in there to use, and you pour nice uh, Epsom salts in there, a little warm water, but you can also use a paper, a, uh, a little a towel, and you wrap it around the joint, and it really helps to increase the circulation to that joint, whether it's part of the foot or it's part of the elbow. Uh, we find that well, really very successful. Do, what do you do if the dog just hurts all over? Maybe it's elderly, and you can see it's just stiff when it gets up. It's stiff when it gets down. Maybe it stumbles sometimes, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Do you put it in Epsom salt bath? Is that well, an idea no, if it's a dog? It, it's that's tough to do. If if someone has a pool, um, you know, finding things for our pets that are readily available and easy to do, 
makes things easy. You don't want to go traveling around a bunch of different yeah. places. Sometimes it's not necessarily convenient. There's specific massages that you can do. Um, but in, in regards to if you've got an elderly dog that's having um, some issues with arthritis or other issues that may be going on due to other complications, a heating pad, a nice warm heating pad along the spine of the animal, either laying on its side or standing up for 10 to 15 minutes, if possible. You know, some dogs may not want to lay down that long, but that's a really super productive thing to do because the spine is a huge area of circulation that helps to um, spread out circulation to the lower extremities. You know, when you say that, I think of, um, I think of, I just want to warn people that if they're using hot water bottles to make sure it's well covered and insulated and check the temperature yourself, not to your hand that's used to checking things, but more like the inside of your arm, like a baby check. Exactly. And some of these hot water bottles come with a fleece cover because if your animal's that uh, unable to move, it might not be able to get away from it. Right. Yeah, and they so, might not be able to get away from it the way, you know, a young puppy would just move away if it was too hot or move closer. But if they're really that lame that they can't get up and you're sort of stuffing something hot under them, just make sure it's not too hot. I think it's a great idea, though. Um, and if it's a plug in, you got to stay there because you don't want cords exactly. to chew on or anything the, like the that. The most so. important thing is I actually rather do a heating pad rather mm-hmm. than a hot water bottle. Um, okay. Like something you put always- in the microwave? That's something like Never that? Never something, no, just because something in the microwave is really too tough to gauge temperature just because okay. of the way that the microwave works. So I really like to stay away from that. But what I like to use is usually it's just a straight heating pad that's wrapped in a towel and it's on a low setting to where the heat can just penetrate through the towel. So it will never get to a temperature that's overly hot to where the animal is going to be uncomfortable. The other great thing to do is is take just a nice warm towel that's been soaked in warm water, and you can also put that um, either around the area, the joint, or again, I really like to do just along the spine because it's a great way to help circulate because a lot of the issues that our older animals have are spine issues. And being able to increase that circulatory system and help them sort of articulate that joint through the spine really, really helps. I like the idea of the salt, though. Could I maybe soak the towel in Epsom salt water and then apply it? Could I do something like that or roll, make like a long roll? Because I know myself when I'm sore, that's what I do. I take a bath with Epsom salts and I've been to spas where they have a salt room where you lie down on salt, right? And it's amazing. It feels so good. I did the same stuff when I was, um, I, I was a triathlete for, for many, many years. And so, you know, going through different types of injuries and trying to figure out how to do it, I would take, you know, a cup of Epsom salts and I would put it in a towel and I would throw some hot water over it and I would sort of wrap it around my calf or I would wrap it around my leg. So, yes, absolutely productive, again, with an animal that has, less agility and can't get around and move, you just want to be careful with temperature. Um, So the water doesn't need to be super warm. The Mm -hmm. object of the Epsom salts and getting it moist is just the activation of the Epsom salts. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what you want to do. So it can either just be sort of cool water. It doesn't need to be very warm. 
the Epsom salts will then activate just because it's moist. So it's going to absorb through, you know, for us, it's going to be through the skin and through our pores. Same thing for animals. Even though they've got the hair and the fur, the oils will help transfer the Epsom salts through that little area of skin, and it's really super beneficial. And when I mentioned that the diaper, mm-hmm. what's nice about using a baby diaper is that you can put the Epsom salts in that little cavity. You can put the water in there where it won't leak, it won't get messy. So if you're in an area that you don't want mm-hmm. to get super messy and the animal's not going to get messy, it's great. And it also has the, uh, the elastic and it also has the tab so you can put it on the animal and it won't go anywhere. It's great. You know, sometimes I struggle with, I have a boarding kennel and loads of dogs come and go. And some of them are on painkillers. Some of them are on things like um, glucosamine. Some of them are on different things to manage shark liver oil and enzyme powders and all kinds of stuff. But some of the the things they come with are meant to manage pain. And and sometimes they're given something like a painkiller like Medicam or or some other painkiller. And then the dog tends to overdo it because he doesn't feel any pain. And I wonder, even with myself, you know, sometimes if I'm going to go horseback riding, I might take painkillers first so I could really go for it. But is that a mistake? Like, how do we manage pain and muscle weakness in our animals without maybe, oh my goodness, you know what? We have to go to a second segment, Jeremy. I'm going to have to wrap to break and come back. We're going to find out about how to manage pain and muscle weakness in your dogs and cats Coming up after the break, we're talking with Jeremy Gateman, and you're talking, you're listening to Smart Animal Talk, All Paws Pet Talk Radio, with me, Deb Wolf, so stay tuned. I'm your doggy, and I love you, and you know that I need you too. And my guest, Jeremy Gateman from TotalFitAndRehab.com, is about to tell us how you can manage pain and muscle weaknesses in pets without maybe overdoing it. Because it's a fine line, isn't it, Jeremy? It's a huge fine line. Um, For example, my wife, um, like yourself, rides horses. um, And she has her issues. And and so does her, her horses. Our animals get older um, it becomes more of an ongoing thing for us to manage their pain and, and how to do that and what are the best things to do, you know, specifically if your dog or your cat um, or your horse as a larger animal is on pain medication. And then you go and you give them their walks and you go on their rides and how to know how much is too much because you're giving them something that masks the pain. It's, it's a really tough fine line with your animal Specifically, we've noticed in dogs, they're going to let you know. They're going to, you know, there's going to be signs whether your dog is, is limping, um, their energy level changes. So if you're on your normal walk and they're under some type of anti-inflammatory medication to decrease their pain, um, you'll see that the attitude of the dog will change after your walk. So sometimes during the walk or your horse ride, the animal's doing great. You feel great on the animal. The dog walk is going great. 
pay attention to when you get back to the house and see how your animal responds, the energy level changes, their gait pattern, see what your horse is doing. If something changes, that's going to tell you that you need to sort of bring back the reins a little bit, shorten your walk, um, talk to your vet, your professional to see if you're doing the right thing. It's, it's, it, it is. It's a tough, fine line, as you were saying, um, what, how to know what's too much and what's too little. And I think, as we've noticed at our home with our dog, is when she is on medication, which is pretty consistent on a daily basis due to her arthritis, is how she responds afterwards. And even though the medication is a mask, she still will be a little bit more fatigued or her gait will change. And that will tell us, all right, you know, maybe we need to shorten up the walk or we need to do a longer walk one day and a shorter walk the other day. Same thing maybe with a larger animal, um, for example, as a horse, maybe one day will be, you know, maybe just a smaller ride or a trot versus a heavier trail ride. And then just being aware of um, your animal is that you know it. Is your animal a little bit more thirsty? Is your animal not as responsive? Yeah. These are just and clear with dogs, signs. you know, it's really important to keep in mind they always want to please you. And they never want to be left always. behind. So they'll pretend like they're just rare to go when they're actually in the process of having heat stroke and their foot pads are burning and they're over-exhausted and their muscles hurt, but the adrenaline's right. going because they're excited. So you got to really know your dog, really know things like, oh, his tail hangs halfway when he's not as energetic or, exactly. you know, he, th things like this that maybe if it's strange dog, you wouldn't know. Always err on the side of caution. Avoid the hottest exactly. times of day. Uh, avoid having your dog try to keep up with a vehicle like a bike or you jogging down a hill, you know, or you skateboarding down a hill, something like that. Easy peasy for you. The dog's still running, you know, so right, come exactly. on, think about in, in it. <laughs> I've exactly, and I've shared um, uh, with some of my clients um, with animals that um, either are younger and or older that have some arthritic issues or some joint issues, um, whether it's, you know, like an ACL with a knee, is if you're going to go on a walk, and some people take their dogs on a really long walk, if they're on medication, some medications have a tendency to change the mechanics of how the animal works in the insides of the body in regards to the internal organs. Dehydration is a huge thing. Make sure oh, that you yeah. bring water with you when you're taking a walk. And really, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a shorter walk or it's a lengthier hour, two-hour walk or a hike. If your dog's on medication, always take the precautions and take the necessary, even bring treats with you because sometimes these medications play with the uh, the stomach and make sure that they've got food in their system. But hydration is a huge thing just because the medications take so much to digest in their systems that they become dehydrated just because that's a source that gets pulled away as the medication gets broken down into their system. And again, same thing with us as humans. Even on a horse ride, we're still working. If by some chance us as humans are on a medication for a personal reason, whether it be pain or whatever it may be, take a snack with you. Drink water, hydrate. Really important because medication in our system, as it gets broken down, 
takes nourishment away from our system. And we always want to make sure that we keep that going so other parts of the body don't get sacrificed. You know, I'm just going to put it out there since you keep mentioning horses. And I realized as we've been talking that I haven't been on a horse in four years. If anybody in the Vancouver area has a horse that needs to be ridden, I will make the arrangements. <laughs> Let me come ride that horse because oh I need God, to ride I a horse. It. And there's got to be a horse out there. Maybe your daughter <laughs> outgrew it or somebody isn't riding one of them enough because it's got bad habits. I love that. So <laughs> just uh, get a hold of me through Camp Good Dog and I will come ride that horse. I'll even muck out the barn and groom him and leave the tack clean. Okay, so back to the show. I want yeah. to ask you about stretching, okay? Cats stretch yeah. all the time. They're, they're just yeah. amazing at it. And most dogs stretch right before they lie down, right when they get up. Is that enough? Or how do we get them to stretch more? Is it enough? Um, on a normal basis, yes. I mean, not many of us think about if there's nothing that's specifically wrong with our animal, dog or cat, um, and we don't see symptoms, we're not going to take the time to, you know, stretch their leg out in front, both back and front. But is it a great thing? Absolutely. It's a super positive thing to do because stretching out the joint, and it's kind of all just, you know, if you're working with your dog and you take the front right paw and you put your sort of hand and cup it underneath their armpit and you just lengthen their leg a little bit in a pain-free range with just a small amount of tension. You sort of go back and forth and you do all four extremities, both two front and the two back. It's a super productive way of keeping that joint stretched out so arthritis doesn't have a chance to enter into that joint. So taking a little bit more time, and it can be five minutes a day, um, we do it with our dog, um, although she started very young with some arthritic injuries. And, the, and that's sort of the best way to do it. And the same thing with a cat. You know, I think you want to be a little bit more cautious with cats because they're sometimes maybe don't want to be uh, manhandled, I guess you could say, as much as animals. Yeah, as you dog. just go gentle. You know what you're I think? Gentle. As you're saying this, I'm thinking there's so many tricks like shake paw and high five and roll over and lie down Use and treats. crawl that are actually yes. stretches. So yes. before everybody with a cat just closes their mind, your cat can do all those things too. In fact, your cat will learn tricks faster than your dog. Yes, I said it, dog people. Cats are quicker to learn tricks, but you can't bore them. You repeat a trick twice, reward it with the cat, and then walk away. Go back an hour later and try again. That's how it works with cats. And better yet, if the cat comes to you for the treat you're offering, then you'll get a cat who's willing to learn. So, okay, we only have three minutes left. Um, what would you like to leave people with, Jeremy? You know, I think that an important thing, and again, going back to animals and, and humans, because sometimes we can duplicate the same injuries, is, you know, how do we manage our pains, our discomforts on a budget because, you know, today times are, are tough. You know, people don't have the extra income to, you know, run their animals to, to vets and run themselves to doctors. So what's the best way and what are the best tools to utilize to do that successfully? Um, and one of the things that I really like to tell my clients for themselves and again for their pets is a, a simple heating pad. It's inexpensive. You can go to your local pharmacy. Um, I think they're about $10. And 
It's a great way to increase circulation. It's a great way to reduce stiffness um, for both the animal and, and yourself. Um, the towel with the Epsom salt is, is wonderful. And it's using resources, um, asking questions. Your diaper is, idea is great. I've used diapers for all kinds of things, like dogs in heat, uh, packing yeah. fragile things. But this is a new one on me. I like the idea it's, of a Epsom salt. It's a new one because poultice. you have choices. You know, you, you, the diapers run from, you know, uh, preemies, newborns, and they go all the way up. So there's different sizes, and you can, you know, strap the diaper. The diaper is going to close. You could sort of adhere it to And you probably know someone with a fast-growing baby that has boxes of, of diapers the kid is too big for. They just give them totally. to you. So, Because exactly. I had that problem exactly. with my son. He was really fast-growing. Okay, so oh, we have to go. If you want to check it out, go to totalfitandrehab.com, and you can learn more from Jeremy Gateman about helping your pain and circulation and managing all of that with your pets. Thank you for joining us today, Jeremy. I thank you guys so much for having me and uh, have a great day and look forward to talking to you guys soon. Thank you. Okay, everybody. We've got a big show coming up. We're going to talk about cognitive dysfunction syndrome and what is that. And that's later in the show. And next, we're going to be talking to Dan Wolf from Tickies, and you probably remember him. He's quite a character. So if you're easily creeped out, put your sandwich away. We're going to be talking about ticks coming up after the break at Smart Animal Talk. I'll pause my talk right here. I'm your doggy, and I love you. Pause Pet Talk Radio, and I'm here at Camp Good Dog, where all the dogs are playing in the sunshine and enjoying the pond and swimming and running through the forest. And lucky for us, we have really low-level risks of ticks out here. But that doesn't mean no risk. It doesn't mean no risk. We're just north of California, and they've got major problems. And in the east of our country, there's bigger problems. And I know all through Massachusetts and other places, huge tick problems. So we're talking to Dan the Tick Man. Welcome back, Dan. Thanks, Deb. It's really great to be back. I feel like now we, we, we go back so far. It's, it's almost like, uh, you know, we, we've been together so long. Well, you, you might feel that, Dan. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> getting to know you. And actually, when we talk, I get the creeps because you talk about these creepy things. And I know right. you're trying to keep us safe, but... Yeah, I, well, I, I, I often have that effect on women, so it's, uh, Do you? You know, it's not unusual for me. But yeah, no, I love it's to talk about. It's your subject matter. It really is. It's your subject matter. <laughs> right. I, I love ticks. I, well, I love to hate ticks. So I have a love-hate relationship, and and uh, I there's nothing that makes me more excited than to be playing with ticks and talking about how to keep people safe, and just they fascinate me. I've been listening to the news lately about the Olympics, and one of the latest complaints is the golf courses apparently have these these strange creatures, capybaras, who are 100 to 150-pound creatures who sometimes attack people, and crocodiles, which also attack people, and mosquitoes with Zika virus also. So, oh my goodness, what 
is some of this tick science good at repelling mosquitoes with Zika? Um, I suppose technically you could say yes, but as far as I'm concerned, I, I was just telling this to somebody today, I like to compartmentalize the two. So I separate them into their own entities because if you look at the, you know, how mosquitoes behave versus ticks, you have to um, treat them differently when you're trying to, uh, you know, maintain uh, lower numbers and trying to kill them. Um, you would have to, for example, you can't just ride around in one of those uh, crazy pickup trucks with the mist down your street spraying for um, ticks the way you would with mosquitoes because ticks behave differently. So there's two things you would need in order to really affect the ticks with the same type of um, insecticide or acaricide, as they call it. And one is to really An have a high... An infected host? Would you have to, like, leave... I don't know. How would you do it? Well, you would have to either use a high-pressure nozzle to apply the insecticide or a very high concentration or uh, enough of the product so that it would saturate down below the leaf litter. Mosquitoes tend to be flying around up here in the atmosphere, and, you know, they're, they're just cruising around. You can mist spray for them, and that's relatively effective, and that's what I think, uh, you know, towns and, and municipalities have been using for a long time. But in order to get to the ticks where they live, it's, it's a little bit of a different process, and I think it's a little more complicated and not nearly as effective. So the answer to your question See, is no. I'm, I'm worried that if they're using the same kind of killing agents and they do mass sprays like they are right now, today they began in Florida, if they're doing this, you know, it's like when you take a little antibiotic but not enough, are they going to make the ticks and other critters they can't kill more indestructible? Uh, well, maybe insecticide-resistant re uh, beasts will be formed and... I think I was I, I, I was trying to listen earlier, and there was some lady talking about the nuclear problem in Japan. I, uh, was that I wasn't the, listening then. Not on my oh, show. Okay. Well, I think she would have she would have said that it would, the mosquitoes are more in danger of becoming mutated by uh, what occurred in Japan. But um, you know, we we would have like pterodactyl-sized Zika-carrying mosquitoes and you know, uh, hippopotamus-sized ticks coming to attack us. And I think that probably would be, um, would be a really bad thing. But in the and meantime, you wonder why you can't do well with the ladies with this kind of talk. <laughs> well, listen, I have a I vivid see a pattern. <laughs> I have a vivid imagination. So, Damn um, it, Tick Man. What a business card you must have. Tick Man Dan, free <laughs> checking services for, for ladies in a particular demographic area. Oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I Well, isn't it mostly kids that get ticks on them and you don't know? You come back from the beach, the kid goes to sleep, maybe even has a shower, but the tick stays on. The next day you find the red mark, right? Isn't that kind of how it goes usually? That's kind of how it goes, and, and that, that is a typical scenario, and so... I was just telling a lady this morning, she, she calls me up frantic, I'm going camping on Cape Cod. Um, I, I'm scared to death of ticks. My kids are 7 and 10 years old. I said, well, yes, you should be concerned, but do whatever you can to prevent uh, bites as much as possible. Relax and do what you need to do. To, you know, but at, at the very least, try to enjoy yourself. I mean, don't let the fear take over your vacation. And that's what I'm trying to tell people is just to do things. Use your common sense. I mean, these okay, are... Okay, so what should they do? What should, should Do we really have to wear longs and longs all the time? Because I don't want to do that. No, but if you do 
check yourself regularly and thoroughly um, in the right way, uh, yourself and your pets, then you're really um, doing what you can to help prevent, uh, you know, uh, extended attachment or attachment in the first place. And, you know, there's certain things you can do. You know, I always say protect, 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 and protect your environment, protect yourself and your pets with treatments, and um, uh, also protect your yard. There's, there's a lot of good stuff out there now that can really um, kind of put a barrier up, but still be vigilant and don't, don't think that just because you sprayed your yard last week that you don't need to continue to do your tick checks. And most importantly, mm. Deb, mm-hmm. don't neglect your crevices. My crevices. Your dog and cat. Okay, okay, we'll go back to that part. So <laughs> the dogs and the cats, if you're the type of person that sometimes clips your cats and dogs fairly short, it would be a good time to do that if you're planning a camping trip or a hiking trip and you've got the long, shaggy dog. You don't want to drag it. It's coat all over the forest floor. But you don't shave all the way down because you want a little bit of protection. You want some protection from the sun and also from the ticks. So a little hair is good. So short but not shaved. And um, with dogs and cats, you want to be brushing them all the time so that if all of a sudden there's a fairly large size wart where there was nothing the day before, that is a tick. If it looks like a lima bean, it's a full tick. That's what you're looking for. Sometimes people are looking for this little black spidery thing and they don't recognize the inflated lima bean version. I don't know, is there a better way to help people find them, Jeremy? Uh, well, listen, what you're saying is exactly right. And just, you know, maintain close contact with your pets. And I think if you were uh, someone who was, you know, grooming your, your dog or your cat, there's two times of the year that it would be most advantageous uh, in protection against ticks, or at least making it easier to find them, uh, either through t- uh, checking them or um, visually. With uh, you know, a lot of the deer ticks around here in this part of the country, even when they're fully engorged, are, are a lot smaller than a lima bean. But they're easily once they're engorged, they're easily discovered um, just by you know running your fingers. Uh, uh, through the dog or the cat, or or, or even visually, it, you're right. It does look like a like a little wart that's just suddenly appeared. So um, the two times of the year that would be best or recommended for trimming uh, or grooming would be early spring, uh, especially in, in pretty much anywhere in the U.S. Early spring, and then right at the end of the summer, uh, because that's the two times of the year when our particularly bad disease-carrying deer ticks become active. Um, I say in one of the PSA, the public service announcements that I that I referred to earlier, is don't neglect your crevices, is to sit down with your, <laughs> with your dog or your cat and just give them a massage and, you know, just feel for anything unusual. Because even when they're unengorged or if they've just started to feed and they're mm-hmm. attached, you can feel a little, you know, it's like feels like a little tiny scab that, that's kind of wiggly. Um, or a little tiny skin tag. So just, you know, unless you have a, a really grumpy cat or a, a, a mean dog, they're going to love you uh, for tick check. They'll come and sit down when it's time to do that. That's what my dogs do. And they think that Well, and if you have a grumpy pet that doesn't like to be touched, you've got to start touching in little bits. A little bit right. at a time, give him a treat, give him, give him some love, a little bit, little bit, little bit, till he or she really likes it. With mm-hmm. cats, usually it's because people are touching them too harshly or mm-hmm. hugging them, controlling them. 
Let the cat come to you and then give it almost enough. Leave it wanting more and then walk away. And you'll see. Your cat will come back to you. That's, that's how it good, works with cats. That's a good plan. I'm going to have to use that. Oh, oh do oh, the cats avoid cats. you too? Oh, we're talking about you cats. Don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work with women. If you give them a little attention and walk away, I'm not sure they're going to follow you. Maybe. Yeah, I've never well. seen what you look like. I don't know. You're a charming person. But on the radio, it sure is a lot of TikTok. For a yes. first date, it's a lot of TikTok. It, it is. You, and, <laughs> you, and I okay, like well, show... oh, we only have one minute left. Oh. Take man, Dan. Okay. Um, what if well, they I get that another red circle? Part. Do they go to the doctor? What do they do? Or if they actually have the tick, do they keep it and take it somewhere? Well, it depends. I, I usually recommend that if you, on a person, if you find the tick and remove it, save it. Write your name on the on a, put it in a Ziploc baggie. Write your name on it. Put the date. Uh, where you think you got it, and how long you think it was attached. That way, if you do start to display some symptoms, you can bring that information, uh, or you can get the tick tested and then bring that in, the, the results to your doctor. But I do want to not neglect not only your crevices, but um, the removal, how important tick removal is. And, and I have a product that I invented called Tickies at uh, tickies.com, and that product is perfect. Oh, it works awesome on pets. Um, I actually have a video of my dog, Champ. He's a golden. He, he had a deer tick above his left eye, and I do a demonstration on how easy it is to uh, oh, nice! And, and totally, completely remove that tick, mouth parts intact. And um, if you remove the tick and it's still wiggling and walking, you know you've done it right. Don't ever put anything on that tick. Don't ever twist it or jerk it out. Uh, Tickies is a two-sided tweezer with a special end for scooping underneath the tick and lifting straight out in a slow, steady motion, and that'll be the best method. And, and for people in those little, tiny deer ticks, it's got a really sharp, 45-degree angled um, tweezer tip, which is the most recommended method by health officials everywhere. So um, certainly want to check that out. Uh, pet lovers, um, pet owners love it. And again, it's at tickies.com. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. We've got to go to break. And we'll be back talking about cognitive dysfunction syndrome in pets. Stay tuned on Smart Animal Talk. I'll pause Pet Talk Radio. That was Dan Wolf from Tickies. Dan the Tickman. Tickman Dan. Check him out at tickies.com. Stay tuned for more Smart Animal Talk with me, Deb Wolf. me, Deb Wolf. If you want to see those golden doodle puppies, go to Camp Good Dog on Facebook or Camp Good Dog on Instagram, either way, and you will see them frolicking and playing and enjoying each other and uh, their mom and some of their relatives and friends. <laughs> They're two months old, absolutely a gorgeous litter. There's three still for sale, but there are still six that haven't been collected yet. So it's nonstop puppy play on uh, on Camp Good Dog at Facebook. All right, so now we're going to talk about 
Cognitive Dysfunction Syndrome. We're going to be talking with Dave Merrick of Nutrix, and he's calling us from SuperZoo. Normally he's in Wisconsin, but today he's calling in from Las Vegas from the big convention, the big conference, SuperZoo. And uh, we're going to talk about Cognitive Dysfunction Syndrome and find out what it is. Welcome to the show, Dave. Well, thank you very much. I, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate uh, having you have me on today. Well, I'm delighted. I'd like to know what this is, cognitive dysfunction syndrome. It sounds like confusion. Well, the, it, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, it is about the brain. The cognitive dysfunction syndrome is what veterinarians classify as um, basically old pet dementia, and sometimes it mirrors exactly like Alzheimer's in humans, and um, it is a, a, a behavior type of situation. And why I say behavior is, you know, when when uh, when people have babies and they bring them for a checkup, and the doctor says, "Is your baby behaving differently?" You know, and how so? They know there's something wrong with the little baby because the baby can't say that. And so that's a, a medical way of looking at behavior. And with cognitive issues, it's the same thing. So with cognitive dysfunction, what we see, and, and again, it commonly mirrors what you see in human dementia. Um, you have uh, wandering around, not responding to known commands. Uh, another one that is huge is your pet will start waking up a couple times during the night. And initially, the pet owners think, well, you know, they're old and they can't hold it anymore, so they let them to go outside to go to the bathroom, when in fact, uh, the dog's sleep cycle has changed. It mirrors the, uh, the human uh, Alzheimer's uh, sundown syndrome. And then uh, another Ooh, common one. Sundown is syndrome? What is that? I'm sorry. I don't know what that is in humans. Oh, I know in animals. I, sorry? Yeah, yeah, no, sundown syndrome for Alzheimer's patients is where their sleep cycle almost reverses. Uh, when the sun goes down and it's time to go to bed, they get very much awake and aware and agitated, and it's, um, it's, um, it's quite distressing. And so You know what I've seen with dogs, and I've been called for as a training issue, and it's turned in, out to be a veterinary referral for this very problem, is a dog later in life will all of a sudden do what I call a perimeter search. They get up in the night and they repeatedly do security checks. They were never that nervous before. They never did it before. But it's almost like an OCD thing where they forgot they already did it. So an hour later, they're checking the yard again. And then an hour later, they're checking the yard again. Whereas they used to maybe check the yard once or twice a day or if they heard something. You know, and it, it gets and to be where the dog is pet? just... This is in senior pets I've seen this. Yeah, senior dogs. Yeah. Yeah, see, that they sounds just... very much like a symptom of cognitive dysfunction syndrome. Uh, oh, I other think dogs, so. when they do that, they'll do the um, they'll do the, that similar type of pacing pattern. Yeah, and I think that you'll is see what that it is. Where it's, sure. Like you said, almost like OCD. But yeah, like they forget the they've checked already, about... and it's so sad because they look really confused and bewildered when they're suffering from this. There's this sort exactly. of vacant, almost help me look going on. You know, they look at you like, help me, as they stare at the steps they've known their whole life and can't seem to figure out how to get up them, even though there's nothing physically wrong. It's this kind of a confusion that you're looking for if you're trying to recognize it, right? Exactly. And, and you know, some people have had their pets do that, 
uh, the waking thing, not respond to known commands, and then they'll also inappropriate house soil where they never did it before. And nothing medically is wrong with them. They don't have a kidney problem issue, but the dog will go outside, and the pet owner thinks when they're doing their business, they'll come inside, and about two or three minutes later, they'll just urinate in the house. And this is why, this is the saddest part of cognitive issues, is that a lot of people are not aware that it is a medical issue. And in fact, they think their, their dog is just real old and is the leading cause by far of pet euthanasia. And, what, and so what the person been, thinks its bladder can't be controlled, it's, it needs to be put down, but really there's a solution, right? That's right. And what we've been, I've been in animal health my whole life. My, my grandfather and his brothers are veterinarians. My dad's a veterinarian. And by far, Nutrix has been my best effort in animal health. And what it does is in, in pretty much every brain disease, whether it's Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, MS, stroke, the, one of the common things that they find is lacking is a calcium-binding protein. And its job is really simple. It balances out the calcium levels inside the brain cells. And so if you don't have that there, you get a buildup of calcium and the brain cell uh, is disrupted and dies. So what we do at Nutrix is we supplement the calcium-binding protein. And Nutrix is, is, is uh, it's an evidence-based uh, researched product that we proved through an oral dose, this protein gets into the blood system and into the brain. And we know that, you know, as all mammals age, we start to lose these proteins and, and Nutrix supplement them. You know, it occurs to me that the elderly formulas of most of the dry pet food actually has less protein because they're trying to make your dog not get fat when he's less active because he's old. But he doesn't well, need grain, right? And, and so I'm thinking maybe they have less protein in their diets as they get older as well, to, which further well, compounds the problem, probably. It, well, actually, it's, it's a different type of protein. Oh, is the it? Okay. Binding, yeah. And the, the calcium-binding protein has one job, and that is within the nervous system to balance calcium levels. So it's not really a protein like you'd think of, like chicken or beef or one of those proteins, mm -hmm. but it is, a, it is classified as a protein. And what we have shown is that with supplementing it, um, and, and this is our research, it's online, this helps with, with memory and concentration and learning in a really good way. So it's, it's uh, actually the human product is quite popular. It's, it's huge. It's called uh, Prevagen. And they advertise it with, you know, can a protein from a jellyfish help your brain? And uh, it's done really well. And so this product has had huge benefit for uh, people and our pets. Hey, you know, how does it the affect I the, um, I just want to ask you, how does it affect the appetite? Does it alter it, it at all? Does it increase or decrease? No, it, 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 you know, we haven't researched that. But it, it, it doesn't have an effect one way or the other. However, I will say this. When your dog, and, and this is a common uh, success story, is the pet owner, the veterinarian on their own dog will report back. They'll say this. I have my old dog back. The spark is in their eyes. They recognize me. They, they play with me again. And here's what I think is that 
when your dog is sleeping better, when they're more cognitively aware and they're feeling their old self, I think they have um, better systems all over, both with appetites and activity. It's kind of oh, like- well, just think of, I mean, you use, yeah, just think of when you just have a new baby home and you don't sleep for the first few months, you're just so sleep deprived and how everything else seems to get to you, right? Well, if your dog's like that because he can't sleep properly, it, it makes so much sense that even just that oh would wear him down. I, I, I just love it that you mentioned it. Our very first case was just that. It was a senior dog with the sleep issues. And guess what? The pet owners were two very senior couples, and they were exactly that, sleep-deprived. And they had tried a lot of things. And here's the difference between Nutrix and some of the other products. And some of the other products have shown benefit, but basically they work outside of the cell, where if they have the lack of this protein, no matter how much good they're doing outside of the cell, the buildup of calcium in the cell will disrupt that cell and it will eventually die. It's kind of like having a nice, shiny new car with no oil in the engine. <laughs> it's not going to go anywhere. So it's, but I just love it that you mentioned the, the pet owners uh, being sleep-deprived because that was actually our first case. Well, you know, I have a dog who's 13, a standard poodle, and he is a little bit less aware than he used to be, but I kind of use it to my advantage. He's underweight. He doesn't eat enough. And so I will trick him into thinking it's mealtime, even though it really isn't. We're at the stage right now where it's a charming sort of humorous situation that he's not quite as alert, but it could very well, you know, progress into something where he has that confused look and is and is upset. Now he looks at me like, it's not mealtime. And then I tell him, oh, yes, it's supper time. And he goes, okay, if you say so. And he eats, you know, so it works for me. But as soon as it starts to be a problem for him, yeah, I know, it's adorable. But as soon as it starts to be a problem for him where he's confused or upset, uh, I'll have to look into solutions because I don't want him to suffer. Uh, so yeah, and, and how do I know? better to do things before. Yeah. How, well, I guess because it does taking this ahead of the decline. Does that stave it off? Maybe I have a, a lot of people that have their other pets uh, who have passed, who had this uh, cognitive issues. Uh, those people are starting to give their dogs uh, Nutrix at age seven. You know, uh, and, and, and a lot of times people will say uh, senior by seven. Well, you and I both know that, you know, with, with a large Great Dane, senior is really by four or five or, or you know, a, a, a little toy poodle. Senior yeah. is more like nine or ten. But and a blue healer, it's a little way. bit later. And a Sheltie, yeah, it depends on the breed and the size, for sure. Yeah. And if and you're talking about a teacup or a tiny, tiny dog, all bets are off because they're really not that soundly built. So, you know, yeah. we really can't tell you how long you're going to get out of the tiny, tiny ones, unfortunately. Yeah, and, Sad. and so it, it, it'll do no harm. It could possibly do a lot of good. Um, you know, prevention is a tricky thing unless you're talking teeth. You know, then of course brushing does prevent. <laughs> so, but this is this is uh, uh, important uh, for for your pet. Uh, if you start seeing other cognitive issues, you know, start Nutrix. Um, 
the veterinary behaviorists that are specialists in cognitive issues, the biggest thing that they have going is is telling the clients to do something uh, sooner than later because there actually is a point of no return. And so, you know, I would... Really, that's sad. If you're too late, that's sad. Yeah. And this is the other thing. Nutrix is incredibly safe. Our safety data took Nutrix 4,000 times the dose for 90 days with no adverse events. And this research was presented to the Society of Toxicology meeting uh, three years ago. So our active ingredient is actually approved for human food. And we Um, have no known contraindications. So it's a a very safe product, um, you know, proven by research. And the other thing we're very proud of, we're one of the few supplements that actually have a veterinary peer-reviewed journal article published. And that was a three-year effort. But that's the robustness of Nutrix is that, you know, we've got the research and the science proven, but more importantly, we have thousands of happy pet owners, veterinarians, veterinary technicians that have experienced the benefit uh, on their own pets. Well, yeah, and, and I know you've got Dr. Abby's story about her own dog. I think we may be out of time, so I think they might have to look that up at Nutrix.com to find out more about that. Nutrix is spelt a little differently, so I'll spell it for my listeners. It's N-E-U-T-R-I-C-K-S dot com. Nutrix dot com if you want to find out more or order it. And how quickly would they see some improvement if they have a dog that's barking confusedly and getting lost and not recognizing his name and maybe he goes up in the middle of the night three or four times. If they got Nutrix today, how quickly might they get a good night's sleep? Well, we've seen, we've seen Nutrix with inappropriate hostility resolve in three to four days. The sleep cycle change in, you know, pretty much 95% of the cases right on day seven or eight, like clockwork, suddenly the dog's sleeping through the night or only waking up once. And we know this because suddenly the pet owner slept through the night. <laughs> and they go, hey, we got a good night's sleep. So it's very, very quick on some of those, on, on like the wandering or the kind of spaciness. What we see is a gradual um, uh, improvement. And then also like, in the, in like on day 30, the dog will interact with its pet owner like it used to or it'll grab a toy it hasn't touched for two years. But that's another common thing that people say is suddenly, you know, my dog started to interact with me and I looked, I, I got my old dog back. I wonder how many people don't even know that their dog is getting up in the middle of the night. Like in my case, I have a doggy door. So uh, potentially he could go out a bunch of times and I wouldn't know, right? I mean, it's a big fenced yard. He's safe out there. It's it's fine. And maybe there's lots of people out there with doggy doors who have (laughs) old dogs prowling up at night and they don't even know. Yeah, the only way there's there's the veterinarians have um, this little device from a company called Hayrex, and it goes on the collar and it measures movement and temperature and all this, and 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 you you put it on Bluetooth and it actually measures when the dog is either uh, walking, resting, even down to where they're scratching their skin. So a lot of times they'll use it for derm cases, but that is one of the ways that a pet owner could actually. 
measure if their dog is very active at night is have one of these hay wrecks uh, monitoring units. And uh, I like the spy cams too. You could catch your dog doing all kinds of things on camera now that used to be so hard to set up. Now it's really easy. But, uh, you know, motion sensor camera will catch him making his trips outside if you think maybe that's the case. Oh, well, you've helped us so much today. If people need this, and you do if you have an older dog who's a little confused, go to Nutrix.com, N-E-U-T-R-I-C-K-S.com. What would you like to leave people with, Dave? We've run out of time today. Well, I think the most important thing is, please, set up a time to have to go to your veterinarian to get a senior wellness checkup. And remember the following. Do your pet a favor and ask about behavior. Okay. The doctor, if he's a good doctor, should be asking you anyway. My doctor always asks me, my vet, he always says, is he eating and drinking well? Is he behaving actively? Is he behaving as he usually does? He always asks that about every single pet I bring to him, even my guests. So, you know, you need to be able to answer that question when you bring a dog or cat in. Is he? If you've got multiple animals and you don't really know, try and figure it out. Get If you've got multiple people feeding Get the question around before you go to the vet so you can answer those questions, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and, you know, I, I would have assumed that you have the best veterinarians around. I mean, you know what you're doing, and uh, like me, we, we want the best for our pets. And uh, so I'm glad that you like your veterinarian. Well, you know, I like my personal vet, but also because of the boarding customers, uh, whenever possible, if any of them need care, I'll take them to their own vet. So I really know quite a number of the veterinarians in my area of the world. I do pick up and delivery all throughout Vancouver and the suburbs for Camp Good Dog. So I know many, many veterinarians all through this area. And um, yeah, if you, <laughs> if, there's such a different style. So you really have to shop around. You know, if you're the kind of person who likes uh, home remedies for yourself and your own healing, vitamins, diet, exercise, then you need a vet like that. If you're the kind of person who yep. likes traditional meds and pharmaceuticals, then you need a vet like that. And there's some who are a mix of both. There's many who will uh, be open to your suggestions and help you with your research to come up with a comprehensive solution. And those are the ones I like, the ones who can cover it all yep. and will respond to me. when I. Because what you read on the Internet, you need to check that with your vet before you try it on your pet. Some of the stuff is just absolute nonsense, and some of it's great. But your pet is an individual patient. And so the person on the Internet who prescribed this treatment for their pet, and you're hearing about it secondhand, it may be the very thing your pet could die from. So don't do it That's unless right, you vet checked it Google first. Dr. Google did not go to school. <laughs> Do- and Dr. Google never met your pet, never realized that your pet already had this prior condition or was on this other medicine or is this type of pet at this age with this many pounds. Maybe the dose you read about is for a 100-pound dog and you're dealing with a 10-pound cat. They're not even the same species. So the vet went to school for a reason. <laughs> so definitely clear things yep. by him. But do your research so when you walk into the vet... You can ask the right questions and you can answer about your own pet. Thank you very much for joining us today, Dave. Hey, thank you very much. I encourage people to like us on Facebook and check out our website. We have great blogs on senior wellness. Yeah, well, you know what? It's the end of the show and we're supposed to be closing out. But since we still have some airtime left, I'd like to ask you one thing you wish people would do for their old pets. 
you would like to ask me one thing that I'd like people to do with their own pets? Yeah, something they don't do besides ask for the behavior checkup. Okay. What this else is, can they this do? This is so fun. You're going to love this suggestion. Okay. And what I would strongly encourage everyone to do is teach your dog a new trick. And you can really do this. In fact, when, when they have uh, senior pets, a lot of times people think you can't do this. But it is so much fun. And you can get more activity with your dog, and you can you you can you know teach them that new trick and do this with uh, the the positive reinforcement training, and that means you know using the training treats and things like this, and you will be amazed on how your senior dog lights up learning a new trick. It is so much fun, and people forget about that. So that's yes. what I'm going to encourage everyone to do is think about. What would they love to teach their dog, their old senior dog, a new trick? This applies to cats, too. Cats can learn tricks. They like to learn tricks. And, you know, this idea you can't teach an old dog new tricks, it's obviously so wrong. If you think of any dog, even the rudest, worst, most badly behaved dog, if you were to send him somewhere where they just let him get away with murder, okay, even if you'd already trained him never to jump on counters, even if he already knew all kinds of things, or even if he was just rotten to begin with and had no manners whatsoever, if you send him somewhere where the rules are different, he will come back with those new rules. You know it. If you send him somewhere where they let him open the fridge and pick what he wants, where they let him clean the counter, lick the dishes, you know when you get him back, he's going to assume assume the same. Well, those are all new tricks he learned while he was away. (laughs) So be careful where you send him when you go on holiday. But also, uh, you know, he can learn good things just as easily as the naughty things, right? Yeah. And, and you know what? That's, what? that's what doctors are recommending for people, too, is, is learn something new. And you can do this in conjunction with your pet. So you're learning a new way to, 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 to teach your dog a new trick. At the same time, you're exercising your own brain. Talk about mm-hmm. a win-win. And you're interacting with them. I mean, a lot of times cats just give up on people entirely. I'll walk into a house where they've asked me, you know, my cat's attacking me or my cat's attacking my dog or my cat won't won't come out of the closet. He's under the bed. He won't even interact. Something like this. And the minute I start talking to the cat and cat, just showing some interest, just reacting to it. He's like, he comes out, he's looking at me like, oh, thank God, someone here who I can talk to, someone who's bothering with me. <laughs> they get neglected. They get completely ignored. And, you know, <laughs> old dogs, they get treated like furniture. You know, everybody spoils the puppy or the baby or whatever else is going on that's cuter and more exciting, the new car. Nobody seems to pay attention to old Rover in the corner because maybe he can't fetch anymore. Maybe it's more like ring toss, you know. But so what? He still loves ball. Throw him that ball. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, you can still play with your dog. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And maybe the tricks are different. Maybe it's not find the ball that you hired, that you hide in the park, you know, on the top of the jungle gym because it's a border collie and he loves to climb. Now he's 14. Okay, so maybe you're hiding it in the backyard or in the house or under a shirt. You know, maybe you're making it really easy for your old blind deaf dog, but he's still finding with his nose and earning the ball or a treat. He's still interacting with you and using what he's got, right? So it makes life worth living for him to play with you again in some way, anyway. Just play with that old dog. Play with that old cat. Maybe that prey toy that you drag along, that you hide behind furniture, 
doesn't get her attention without catnip. So catnip it then. And maybe it has to be moved a little slower or maybe it takes a little longer to get her interested because she's 14 now. Do it. You'll get your reward. She'll be jumping all over eventually. And that's what you want. The more they get active, the more they want to be active. And it, it really builds on itself. But if they're bored, I think a lot of pets just die from boredom. They just, they just wilt away waiting for you to come home and pay attention to them. So pay attention. Exactly. I like ending exactly. with that. I like ending with that. Okay, and if your pet seems confused, is getting older, has stopped being able to understand things he used to, then it is time to go to your vet and talk about behavior and check out Nutrix.com, N-E-U-T-R-I-C-K-S.com. So, Dave, since we're still talking and they haven't cut us off yet and gone to break, how's it going at SuperZoo? Oh, it's fantastic. Um, you know, the people here, it's, it's, it's amazing to be with thousands of other people that just enjoy our pets. And, you know, they're looking for uh, the newest thing that they can do with their pet or the, 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 the best uh, formulation of a treat. Um, you know, and, and so it's, it's, a, it's a real happy place. You know? and, uh, and you're in Las and so, Vegas, so there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. But for the pets, that's got to be hard because of the heat. Are there actual pets at the show? There are. And, and the convention center at Mandalay Bay has the world's largest solar panels on top of their convention center. For the, it's the largest solar paneling to the convention center. It can power up to 1,000 homes. And so we have really nice air conditioning here supplied by the sun. And the dogs that are here are generally your service dogs and your working dogs and those dogs that are in training. And so um, almost all of them that are here, uh, they're here on their job with their person. And then the other some of them are uh, that have this beautiful grooming. And they... uh, they proudly walk <laughs> on the aisles because, of course, everybody will go, wow, your dog looks great. And, of course, at least I think, you know, my dog absolutely understands me. And so I'm thinking that our, the dogs at the show here are, are smiling when they get those, uh, you know, approval uh, from all the people in the, in the show. So Super Zoo has been, been uh, a fantastic experience. And, uh, and it is. It's a, it's, it's a great venue here. Um, well, thank you so much. I feel like we've just had a brief taste of it. We've got to go. We're finally off air, Dave. So thank you very much for joining us today from Nutrix.com and from SuperZoo, where you're visiting. Everybody check it out, Nutrix.com. Thank you, Dave. Oh, thank you very much again. Okay, everyone. It. And until next week, from Smart Animal Talk and me, Deb Wolf, be good to your animals. <laughs> I'm your name.